Welcome to another edition of Linking the Travel Industry, where we discuss popular and interesting travel industry posts which appeared on LinkedIn during the last week. And occasionally we might talk about stories uh, which appeared elsewhere. We uh, absolutely welcome audience participation. So if you have a comment on any of the stories we discuss here today, please raise your hand and we will get you on stage. Just remember that this is being recorded. So by participating, you're going to be included in that podcast that I mentioned. So with that out of the way, my name is Rian, and I'm one of your hosts today. I'm the CEO of Agentivity, where we help travel management companies gain insight into and control of their businesses, as well as achieve scalable growth through the effective use of their data. And I am Anne. I'm an independent consultant in the travel industry, representing the brands of both LeapShift and ExploreTech. Hello, everyone. My name is Ash, and I'm the host of a weekly business travel podcast called What's Up in Business Travel. Additionally, I'm the VP of Sales at Traxo, and this is Linking the Travel Industry. So it's very nice to see some familiar faces in the audience there. Daniel, I can see you, Lawrence, from... uh so Southern Africa out there, Alex is down there, Martin, very nice to see you guys and all the others. Thank you for joining us today. Um, again, if you want to participate in the session, just raise your hand and uh, we'll get you on stage. The format of this discussion is sort of revolving around a post I do on a Friday and then uh, between myself, Anne and Ash, we talk about that in a bit more detail. Um, speaking of changes in the industry and fairly substantial changes that we saw last week was a post from Daniel. Daniel, you are in the audience, so by all means, if you want to chip in and talk to us about this, just raise your hand, we'll get you on stage. We'd love to hear your view on it. Um, Daniel from Oyston um, did a post about Travelport's updated uh, distribution agreement that they, no, subscriber agreement that they put online. Daniel, welcome. How are you? And uh, do you want to do a quick intro and just tell us about that change in the subscriber agreement that we noticed? Yes, thank you um, for having me. Um, so I'm uh, I'm Daniel Daniel Langhager. I'm located in Hamburg, Germany, working for for Oysten, and we as Oysten have have been helping, especially airlines or mainly airlines, with their distribution agreements over for many years now. Did lo- did lots of GDS negotiations. Yeah, I saw the um, travel port subscriber agreement. I think it's called um, it's the general terms and conditions, and what was. Especially interesting here was that fairly down below in a long agreement, um, the mentioning of an NDC content charge where Travelport says that they would allow themselves to essentially charge their subscribers. So the travel agents, if I understand that right, for NDC content. And if we found that interesting, because if you compare that to how the relationship between airlines, GDSs and travel agencies have been in the um, in the previous year or in the last years for many years now where the airline essentially pays a, a booking fee from which then the gds keeps some of the money and also distributes some of that as an incentive to the travel agent that is probably now in this model has changed since then so travel port doesn't explicitly state that there won't be an incentive to the travel agent but i think wouldn't make too much sense to pay an incentive while you also charge them for the for the ticketing. So that's Definitely. sort of a turning off the tables. Yes. Well, I mean, this is the change that Ash has been telling us should happen in the industry, and this is why I think this is significant. Um, Ash, have you have you seen this, and and what are your thoughts on this? Well, I haven't seen the actual agreement paperwork, so to speak, but this is something that I think has been 
in the works for a while now. I will actually say that it is possible for them to pay an incentive and charge simultaneously on the same line item. I wouldn't find that to be too strange and too off the the path uh, because not everybody will get the charge and not everybody will get the incentive, but you could technically have people receiving both an incentive and a charge and it could just be a wash. So we might see variations of that scenario playing out. But this is, you know, this goes back to the age old issue of that the GDS is the only technology that a TMC receives money from. Every other technology is charging the TMC for their services. And the GDS, you know, still remains as the oldest uh, technology that is using a model that's failed. So I think that the quicker that they get away from this and NDC content charge, whatever they want to call it, is great. But the idea of an incentive, I think, is is long gone. And I think that script needs to change. So, Ash, I know it's Monday morning and you're yet to wake up. I thought you'd be far more excited about this story because this is really significant as far as I can, as far as I can see. So <laughs> let's see. And what do you think? Yeah. Because and you must have seen, Anne, that I think it was Jorge at Air Gateway. He was applauding this and saying this is great because now it allows him to compete with Travelport at the product level and not on unfair commercials. And of course, yes, yeah, so I would agree with Jorge on that. So of course, I'm, I'm excited about this because we want that model to change. We want the incentives to go away. But uh, the way I interpret this, of course, is that you, you ask yourself, do travel ports still ask the airline to pay a booking fee for NBC content? That, that's what it's about, isn't it? I mean, that would be the only possibility for them to then incentivize. And then I assume that that fee is much lower. And yeah, I mean, what what I've been really unhappy about when I've been on the airline side in the past, of course, is, well, a incentives that I can't control who is being incentivized that, you know, I can't that good relationship that I want to have with with agents that sell my content really well. That's something I want to encourage and control. And I think this travel port thing also leads us back to what we've been debating a lot is about that the content has to be equal or better. But, you know, kudos to travel ports. I think it's it's really good news. I am excited, very excited about it. You know, one of the things that I find to be quite strange in all of this, right? I mean, let's let's just pretend for a second here that paying an incentive is totally okay, even in the year 2023, that's about to start in about nine weeks. It's the game playing, right? So if you think about it from a game playing perspective, there are still agencies today that produce volume for their GDS, but don't get paid for any of that volume in the form of incentives because they just simply lack the ability to ask for them. So I think that there's all this discrepancy occurring. That discrepancy leads to a failed model. A model cannot work when it's different for each person. And if you don't know how to ask for incentives, you don't get it. And I think that that's why some of these issues are the way they are today. Daniel, thanks for joining us. Before you get, um, you know, you go, can I just ask you a, another question about how do you think, I don't know how to phrase this, but, you know, we've, we've seen some other interesting models being proposed by other airlines, including most notably the most recent one by SAS Scandinavian. Do you think mm-hmm. um, this sort of move by Travelport and inevitably the other you know, GDSs will follow um, is going to make them rethink that strategy? I think they have to because there's more and more competition coming up and Travelport now moving forward probably also puts the other two GDSs under pressure. So I think that could be could be a first move, hopefully. Yeah, no, I, I hope so too. 
So, Daniel, again, thank you very much for a placing that story and making us aware of it and uh, joining us today. Um, yeah, we really appreciate your, your insights there. Thanks a lot for having me. Brilliant. Thank so, you, Daniel. Yeah, thank you, Daniel. Moving on, the, the next story, um, this is where Ash is going to roll his eyes, but um, I don't know if you saw this, Ash, but uh, Sir Tim Clark of Emirates, um, he's now calling for the CEO of Heathrow to resign, and he did so publicly. I think it was because in the end he actually missed his flight. He went to some sort of meeting or convention where he missed his flight because uh, of the delays at Heathrow. But it's, uh, it's raising a few eyebrows, probably nothing more to it than that. Well, what we can say is that Heathrow, it's, you know, they, they've just got to get their act together. Yeah, it is a mess. It is a mess. And I mean, it's the same airport services. So we had months and months to get it together, right? And yes. I think that this is just a situation of failed leadership. And so I will probably take the side of Tim Clark to say that, hey, you know, you, you had a job, you didn't do it well, and now it's time for you to go. And Heathrow is not a, a small airport, right? It's a global hub of epic proportions and you can't fail there. That's right. And especially in, in light of competition from Schiphol, which is under pressure because of the Dutch government's attitude towards flight capping they want to do there, they've got some great opportunities to really grow. And uh, now is not the time to be bogged down by bad service levels and queues out the door and that sort of stuff. So yes, I would, I would say get your act together. It's a, it's a great opportunity for them. The next story, well, three stories really all evolve around United. United was in the news quite a lot in my feed. I did reach out to them to see if they can get somebody to take part in today's discussion, but it was very short notice. To, and to be fair to them, it's a large organization, so we didn't get somebody from them. But maybe next time. They've done obviously really well with posting some excellent results. I'll just run through those all three and then we can talk about them together. So they've, they've posted good profitability. I see later on from, uh, I think it was Rudy Horn from uh, United. He also posted about their cargo division posting some excellent profits as well. I subscribe to a regular newsletter from uh, Steve. Steve Glenn at Executive Travel. So it's a great newsletter, by the way. Uh, it comes to me once a week. And in there this week, he talked a lot about how United is expanding aggressively internationally. And I think I also read a few posts where they are now sort of the most or the airline serving some of the most uh, routes in Europe or, or out of certain countries, they have the most connections back into the States. So, you know, they've done really well. And then a bit of a funny story. I saw they were in the news because they had a, a snake on the plane incident, which, you know, had passengers screaming and lifting up their legs in horror, that sort of thing. So quite a bit of United news. Ash, it's been a while since we mentioned United, whereas before we said we can't get a week pass without mentioning them. But it's all good stuff, right? All, all things pointing to great uh, leadership there and uh, a good company. Except for the snake on the plane part, everything else sounds pretty good to me. Quite honestly, if I was on a plane with a snake, it would freak the bejesus out of me too. But I do want to say that United has also been making a lot of updates to their mobile app. I made a couple of, um, I think I shared some posts a couple of weeks ago. But just this one, uh, this past week, they also did another major release. And in this release, they added the ability to get your Canadian traveler number, which is a important aspect for the security processes of checking in. And now they've also added the ability to add uh, snack and drink vouchers to your wallet on the mobile app. So their mobile app is getting a huge, a lot of huge um, improvements, which I think is also going to lead to a great experience for the travelers. And if you remember from a couple of weeks ago, they had made an update on their app where 
they would get um, vouchers and benefits uh, sent automatically, similar to what Alaska does today. So United has definitely been working really hard behind the scenes and trying to improve uh, a lot of aspects of their company. And I think they're doing a fabulous job, which at the end shows up in the numbers, right? So from a fiscal perspective, you see that their stock prices are increasing, with financial results are great. Um, and this is all because of great leadership as opposed to the previous example of failed leadership with Heathrow. This is the exact opposite where through the pandemic, they did all the right things and they worked really hard. This is good. United's doing really well and they're heading in the right direction. And, and as you quite rightly say, Ash, it shows in the numbers where, you know, it's, it's important. Andy, do you have anything to add to that on United? Ash has said it all, but I can only agree. I mean, United is digital first. It is customer first. It is, they're doing all that stuff that we've been t- talking about for so long that airlines should prioritize. And in my book, that, yeah, they're doing everything right. And it just shows, doesn't it? They're clearly out there. And I'm also very, very impressed with their app. Obviously, prioritizing what the customer experience is digitally. Just great news. Very nice. The snake is, is, is yeah, yeah. And, you know, that would, that would, that would terrify you. But we've got at the zoo in, in Stockholm or what I should, one of our oldest parks, we've actually got a king cobra on the loose. And so they've had to shut it down. So, so obviously, <laughs> snakes can be just look for the nearest uh, United flag. Slithering, so, very yeah. slithering creatures. Yeah. Yes, very. Yes. Okay. You know, the thing with United, I do want to add though, Rian, is that United's biggest issue right now is the inability of the travel world to respond to it in the right way, right? So uh, to respond to it favorably, because you see the example of JFK, right? Here's United Airlines trying to improve. The connections at JFK, all their alliance partners are in JFK, right? Coming in globally uh, from everywhere. So you have a situation where here's an airline that had to leave an airport simply because the FAA here in the U.S. did not get their act together, didn't give them additional slots. That had to be a very painful decision for them. But if anything that is going to limit United, it's not going to be United, I think. I think it's going to be the outside influences that are not going to let it become grow as fast as it can and, and improve the way it needs to. Yeah, no, well said. Question to you, Ash, was uh, they're about to place this big order for 100 wide-body aircraft and it's between Boeing and Airbus. So is your money going to be on Boeing? No. Oh, wow. Despite <laughs> yeah, the I think. Their, surprise. That the entire fleet is Boeing? I think that they're going to uh, they're gonna get the Airbus um, wow. piece going and I think Boeing has a lot of issues. I did not expect that answer, but, you know, there's the T-shirt of the week because previously it was, you know, Hong Kong is finished. Now it's Boeing has problems. And there goes the stock price for Boeing. It's just tanking. So thank you, Ash. Wow. Did you, did you, you expect- yeah, please don't buy stock based on any comment I'm making. Here. I don't think that's going to be the next move. I'm sorry, Ash. Yes. But I would like to add to what Ash was saying about the, the partners and, you know, the Star Alliance partners and, and also for those partners to live up to the digital transformation that United is clearly leading the way and showing how it's done, you know, and um, there's a lot to learn, the various United partners out yeah. there. You know, and since you've mentioned it, I can't stop saying this, but uh, it's true that you say that you know, you need to know there's something wrong with the airline if you like your banking app more than the airline app. And so <laughs> that is now my sort of measure, you know, way to measure the airline app. And it's true. It's absolutely true. So um, there we go. My next story was about an airline in Portugal wanting to be the first all-electric airplane airline. It's a 
proposed uh, domestic airline in uh, Portugal called Seven Air, and um, they want to be up and flying with an entire fleet of only electric aircraft by 2030, which is really not that far away. They're hoping for certification by 27, 28 that sort of uh, time frame and the planes will fly sort of the 200 kilometer range i have got no idea how far that is and what you ever measure things in but um it will be small turbine uh, planes powered by a uh, sort of electric means etc so interesting story there and um, they claim to be the first airline to be all electric and uh, what did you make of that super interesting fascinating uh, and of course like it said in the article i mean portugal is a is a good country for it the range to sort of travel uh, within the country is, is good. So, yes, sounds really promising. Could be a great feeder airline uh, into the new owners of Yes. right? So. 200 kilometers is, you know, 125 miles. It's not a lot. Yeah, but in Portugal, it gets you far. I mean, Porto, mm-hmm. Porto Lisbon is less than that, I think. So it's good. No, probably yeah, not. but now you need an airport, right? And are there that many airports that are going to be within a 100-mile radius of the main airport to bring people in? Good question. Yes. What, question? <laughs> what they're trying to do is get a EV toll. Tell me what yeah. I'm, do. I'm going to reach out to Seven Air and say to them, we've discussed the story. Yes. And they give us some information. We'll talk about it again next week. So there we go. Yes. I and I think they need to change their name. I don't know what Seven Air. What's Why Seven? It probably means something different in Portuguese. We don't know it. So I can ask them that as well if you want. <laughs> Maybe it's because they only come from seven cities. Ah, okay. Maybe. Actually, I just checked, actually, and Porto, Lisbon is 313 kilometers. Okay, so good question to mm. ask them. Mm, good question, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll ask. Because, I mean, you would assume that it would be Faro, Lisbon, yes. Porto, Lisbon, yes. right? Yes, those are quite I mean, far, yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that's all you need, really, in Portugal. Yeah. So, I mean, you need to be able to bring people in from Faro. Faro's really so, far from. So, so, yeah, it sounds yeah. like the business model is yeah. a bit flawed here, guys. So we'll. Yes. <laughs> we'll yeah. I think I think they're just trying to they're just trying to get on your list. Okay, <laughs> there we go. Let's move on then. So um, there was a very nice, uplifting story from uh, Robert. Uh, his name is Robert Keenan. He's a he's with Travel Counselors in the UK. Um, he did a post about despite the cost of living concerns, the, the bookings with travel counsellors are soaring and uh, UK travellers are certainly buying plenty of holidays at the moment. Um, I just thought it was a very nice positive story. He did say that it's it's very good for them as travel counsellors to be in that position. And um, it's, it's, it's good to hear, uh, again, despite all the doom and gloom you read about uh, the UK economy at the moment. Oh, it just warmed my heart. You know, good to see. Makes you happy. Like you said, everything is just so negative at the moment. Everything about politics, the economy, the world situation, you name it. So at least this is good. Absolutely. Ash, any comments? No. Same thing at the end said. It's a good move and business is growing and that's where we want to see things going. So perfect. Okay, brilliant. But it was a very strongly worded uh, article by Andrew Crawley, um, the CEO of American Express Global Business Travel, um, which he wrote for, I think it was The Beat, uh, where he talked about how airlines need to be more mindful of the needs of corporate clients uh, in their pursuit of NDC developments. Um, It was a very strong message, made a lot of sense. It talked a lot about the different needs from a corporate customer perspective than maybe a leisure customer and how he's really... keen to see airlines taking those needs into account when they set off developing their NDC channels. I love that story. I think it was very well written and got the points across. And I'm sure you read the story. Do you think the airlines are going to take notice? 
I certainly hope so. I mean, it it resonates and, and comes back to what we have been talking about, that it has to bring value or it has to add value. It just cannot be just about, oh, it's a lower price. So we're going to remove these fares from the GDS and, you know, they're going to be made available on, on this channel. And that's all we're going to do. We're not going to offer you any extra benefits. And I mean, what I'm trying to look for is innovation in this space. I'm asking myself, in the airline TMC relationship with NDC, why aren't we seeing more developments like wallet concept uh, for corporates, um, but better efficiency of, of money flows, the ability to offer, you know, all those corporate perks like a free lounge or uh, extra bags, et cetera, et cetera, in a more efficient way than we are doing it in, in the GDS. And, and that's kind of what I'm expecting in an NDC channel. And so I, I fully agree with him. I think he's got, he's, he's got so many valid points that he makes in that article. And yes, it's a very strong message. Did you get a chance to read it, Ash? I did. And he's basically saying the obvious. It's really nothing that we all don't talk about on a regular basis. And to Anne's point, you have to create value. But the fact still remains that NDC, with its inception, while it may have had this glorified understanding of what it wanted to do from a technology improvement perspective, it really was a play on distribution costs. And so financial was always the main outcome of NDC. And whether it was weighted 75, 25 or 80, 20, who knows what they talked about in the internal boardrooms. But in every communication I've ever had with an airline executive outside of official channels, every single time when I talked about NDC, I always asked a simple question. Is this a change in the distribution model? Because this is exactly what they hope to achieve with NDC. And the answer was always I cannot say officially, but unofficially, yes. And so when I hear that answer, I know that it is connected to changing the distribution model. So why we don't see the improvements that Anne outlined and what Andrew Crawley is saying is not surprising because the focus was not on those things. The focus was on how can I make the GDSs uncomfortable? How can I make them feel that they need to charge me less? It was always about the airlines lowering their cost of distribution. So no innovation doesn't mean that there wasn't the desire. I think that it was not the priority. Yeah, no. Well said. Well said, Ash. So that was our featured story of the week, and that was on my list. I'm sure there's a few extra stories. Um, just before we go on, a reminder to anybody in the audience, I see some, again, some familiar faces. Isak from Excel Travel Group joining us. Thank you for joining us today. Stefan, I see you as well in there. Miguel, thank you for being uh, in the audience. So that was my list. Anne or Ash, do you have any extra stories that you, that you encountered that wasn't on my list? Well, I do want to say that today is Diwali for all the Indian people in the room today and really for all of you, the rest of you as well. So today's Diwali and so happy Diwali to everybody. It's a really, really important holiday. So if you notice that all your tech people in India are not working today, <laughs> now you know why. We are all, uh, we all had a very, very busy weekend. And so part of the reason why some of us might be exhausted today is because our families are in town and all sorts of stuff is happening. So you'll see a lot of people leave the office early and things like that. So just note that that's why that's happening. And, you know, it's called the Festival of Lights. You can Google it. A super exciting day for all the Indians and anybody related to us um, around the world. Thanks for mentioning that, Ash. Uh, that is nice. And did you have any other stories in your list? It's actually a very short list, I must say, this week. There hasn't been that much going on, has there? Because of Diwali. Happy Diwali, everyone. Uh -huh. 
I've got one extra story which we, I think it's worth mentioning because it is very interesting and it mm-hmm. snuck up on my list late in the week, if not over the weekend, but it was Hawaiian Airlines who announced mm-hmm. an agreement with Amazon to operate some of their freight aircraft. Very interesting story. I don't know if you picked up on this, Ash, but um, we, we just spoke about mm-hmm. Boeing versus Airbus, but it will be 10 Airbus A330s that they'll be flying for Amazon Prime under their, you know, operator license as Hawaiian Air. I think the planes might even be branded um, Amazon Prime. And it's a clever move by an airline to, um, you know, earn its keep uh, by providing the service. It's obviously not taking business away from them. It's nicely incremental. So I thought it was an interesting move by Hawaiian and um, should, should generate some good business for them, I would imagine. Did you- so I didn't, I didn't quite understand that, Rian. So they are... They're leasing some aircraft to Amazon or what? No, what they're going to they're going to operate the aircraft and Amazon, okay, Amazon they'll be operating them. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So it's it's under their own you know license. And like I said, I think I think the planes might be branded Amazon Prime, but um, it's just operating um, a freight service for for Amazon specifically. Oh, okay, interesting. Clever, though, wow. isn't it, Ash? What do you make of it? I've seen Amazon Prime planes uh, flying around in the U.S. market, so I'm not surprised by that. I When I first saw that, my first inclination was how soon before they make it available for passengers. Yes, that's, that's, <laughs> that's exactly you my know, thought. You might, yeah. sit, you might have <laughs> yes. to sit on a cardboard box, uh, which you can't spill your wine on, Ash. I don't think it's going to be for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have the cargo, uh, you know, 80, 90% mm-hmm. of the cabin is cargo, and then you put a little cabin at the top near the pilots oh. and... Ash, what you do is no, you, you, put, you, you put two cabins in, one right at the back for the non-prime <laughs> subscribers and one at the front <laughs> for your prime subscribers, you see? <laughs> hey, prime could be a um, a cabin class. There we go. It, yes. Yes. Could it, be. Absolutely. But actually, you know, what's even more interesting is that they've got the largest, as we know, retailing concept in the world. So maybe they will end up as the largest retailing company that also happens to be an airline. You know, instead of waiting for the airlines to figure it out, mm-hmm. all you need to do is bring Amazon into the travel industry. Yeah. Solve yes. it once yes. and for all. Yeah. Imagine the change that will happen when that happens. Oh, it will be incredible. Yes, that's, that's going to speed up innovation like never before. Absolutely. Uh, yes. We've yep, yep. never seen anything like it. So that's a wrap. In that case, um, from my side, I just want to, again, thank those in the audience for attending today. We do this every uh, week. My name is Rian, and uh, I thank you for attending and see you guys next week. And thank you for taking part today. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. Thank you all for joining today's session. We host this LinkedIn audio call every Monday, as Rian just said, and it is all about linking the travel industry. Please, please, please share this event with everybody that you know. If you enjoyed today, chances are high that somebody else that you know will also enjoy it. For those who cannot make it because of time zone or availability, this session is available as a podcast on Business Travel 360. This is Linking the Travel Industry, signing off.